Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. We've got a new sermon series. We're going to take us into Christmas called Traditions. Um, I'm going to read the theme scripture and then in its entirety, and then we're going to come back to it and um, sort of dive into it a little bit, what, how it applies to us today. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to start with verse 1. This is um, God speaking to the people, the nation of Israel. And whenever you see that in the Old Testament, you can put in, are the, the nation, the believers, you know, that he's speaking to us too. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You, you must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all these decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. They all, then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. Houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig. And you'll eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. And when you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and serve him. When you take an oath, you must use only his name. You must not worship any of the gods in the neighboring nations, for the Lord your God who lives among you is a jealous God. Father, I want to thank you for your word and the power of the scriptures that you've given to not only the nation of Israel, to even to us as we are believers today. We are the nation of God, and we thank you for that. Let us take it to heart. Let us obey. Let us receive. We pray that in your name, Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we're talking about traditions. I have a new favorite song I've been singing the last couple of weeks, Christmas song. And uh, it's called, Jesse Boy is Coming to Town. <laughs> Uh, my family's in from Japan. They got to come over, and Jesse's my new grandson. And so they're with us in our house. Uh, I'm excited. I have a one-year-old boy who's learning how to walk. He likes to clap and scream about his accomplishments every time he does something great. Um, we have big dogs. My daughter has big dogs. Um, Rhodesian Ridgebacks. They're 85 to 90 pounds. And the youngest one's about a little older than a year as well. Uh, her name is Emmy. And she's constantly watching. It's really an interesting dynamic. She's just walking behind him wherever he goes as he's learning how to walk and walking and learning how to run now. And she's watching him, 
like almost in a protective mode. I, this is sort of how I feel like you're watching in a protective mode. But at the moment he turns and comes towards her, she like runs. Like, like, who is this little monster coming after me like this, right? It's like Godzilla in reverse. You know, he's come to our land. And so Emmy just runs and hides. And then as soon as he turns and she sees he's going the other way, she comes back and she's right on him, protecting him. And um, it's a lot of fun. We had to infant-proof the house. If you haven't had a kid around for a while, you've got to go through. And you don't catch everything until they figure it out. Um, we have a baby running around with poopy diapers, and I didn't do very well when I was a dad, and I'm definitely not doing well as a grandpa, so I passed that off to somebody else. I'm like, I never learned how to do this very well. Um, we're not even sure if Japan will let them back when they want to return, if they're going to shut down the country. That's okay. We don't care. <laughs> My son-in-law should be here in a couple weeks. Um, this Christmas season... The reason we love it is we get to have our entire family under one roof. Even Brittany has a friend that is joining us this Christmas season. <laughs> I got in trouble what I said a couple weeks ago, so I got to dial that back a little bit. Um, Christmas is about traditions. And in fact, when we put up the ornaments or we do other things, every ornament we have in our house tells a story. We have them throughout the decades. We have the one that our first, mer- our first wedding together, our first uh, Christmas together, Gene and I have an ornament um, there. And so when we put that up, of course, we tell the story. Like, this is our first ornament. And 35 years ago, we got married, and this was the one we had, and our first one. And so we get to tell that story to our kids. And um, we have uh, one that the first baby was born. Here's, here's, we get to tell this to our grandchildren, right? We have a six and eight-year-old. This is when your mommy was born, and we have an ornament for when she was born. And this is when your aunt was born, and we have one of a softball player because they went to the national championships one year, and so we have an ornament for that. We have an ornament with a medical professional um, that we put, that's Brittany's ornament, when she graduated from medical school. And so we have all these ornaments with all these stories. Um, we'll be here Christmas Eve service. We do that every year. And then because we're working and we're here at every service, we always go to Chinese food afterwards. So that's sort of our tradition. We all go and hang out at a um, Chinese restaurant, probably from, what's that one movie where they do that, uh, The Christmas Story? We've got that in our veins. And then on Christmas morning, we do our stockings. Um, we have our meal. Then we read the scriptures where Jesus came and talks about in Luke. Um, we have a prayer time. And then we open up our presents. And then every Christmas uh, evening, we have prime rib. And these traditions that we have, that you have, that I have, they tell a story to our family. They relate to them the importance of family. Uh, They tell the miracles of our God and our story and how God took us from one place to another. And this marriage is together because of God. The core values of our faith. And they're all passed down, and we read the scripture, from generation to generation with stories and traditions. So I'm going to read the first part of the scripture again, and we're going to take a look at it. Um, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. Now, we think of the Ten Commandments, but there's actually 613 commandments that he gave to them. Like, here are the commandments the Lord wants you to know about. And there's some commandments about hygiene, because they were slaves. They had no clue how to even take care of themselves. There's commandments about food, like protect them, 
don't eat this kind of food because they didn't understand anything about that and how to cook things properly. And, and so he's telling about all these things that could happen, that some are protection for them and some are uh, for righteousness. And so he goes, be careful when you occupy this land and you get into the promise that uh, you and your children and your grandchildren, three generations, must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all these decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Some of them are protection for your life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. So they're walking into the promised land, and before they go in, he says, now listen to me. If you want your children and your grandchildren to fear me, don't forget the commands that I've given you when you walk into the land of prosperity. Um, right now we have three generations under the same roof right now where they're visiting. Um, the other day my mom and dad came over and we had four generations under one roof. Soon the Bassets will have four generations under this house, this, this house of worship, right? And... Um, some of you may have several generations, but there's something powerful about three generations. There have been studies done on the power of three generations and their impact. Uh, there's one actually done in a negative way. It's called sleeves to sleeves in regards to wealth. And they say the first generation creates wealth, the second generation stewards wealth, and the third generation in their studies consumes the wealth. It doesn't have to be that way. I think that would be someone who doesn't understand the faith and how to live life. But there has been a significant rise, interesting, since 2010 in multi-generational families under one roof. And the study that I read was done before COVID hit. Um, the stats are 29% of Asian Americans have multiple generations under one roof, 27 Hispanic, 26 African American, and then 16 non-Hispanic whites. Of course, there are probably drawbacks by that. There's a lack of privacy. Um, there's increased upkeep and remodel and cost and sometimes family tension. But the benefits are many of having three generations together. Um, there's the shared chores and child care. There's longevity of life. He says, see, you'll live a long life here. Um, a recent survival analyst found that healthy members of multi-generational families have lower premature mortality rates and we're likely to live longer in a multi-generational household there are more adults to provide emotional support for each other family supports encouraging feelings of wellness and stability for each person so it's interesting as you read the scripture when god says there's three generations that serve the lord obey the lord that it will extend your life i think there's a lot less stress in parents and grandparents when their children serve the Lord. So if you want to live longer, move in with your daughter-in-law. <laughs> if she doesn't kill you in the middle of the night, you're going to live longer, all right? So that's just... <laughs> you, you, I know, we laugh about that. What, it, what, it, uh, what I found significant is that studies show that when grandparents are involved in the lives of their children and grandchildren... Those children and grandchildren have fewer behavioral and emotional problems. I read one story about a grandmother living in a basement area that they'd set up for her like her own little place. 
and the family had a schedule to be with her. And the granddaughter would go down, and she liked to watch the game shows, and she walked the game shows with her. And she taught the granddaughter how to knit and speak Spanish. She told stories of her family, and a sense of family pride was invested into the granddaughter. When I was 17, we moved back to Phoenix from Arkansas. Unfortunately, my stepdad had divorced us, and yes, I say us, because when you're a child of divorce, you feel that way. And we moved in with my grandparents. Um, they were in a small house. My grandfather had had a stroke, and he was in a wheelchair, and he could say yes and no, but he needed help, and I needed to help him a lot, and I helped him in all kinds of ways, and my grandmother was there, and my mom was there. Um, she taught me how to crochet. And you guys are all getting scarves for Christmas, all right? <laughs> you know, I think I could still do it. I got to see my grandmother's faith in action. I got to hear her pray fervently for her children and her grandchildren to come to faith. And did you know that the scriptures talk about the power of generational traditions? And we all have Christmas traditions. We have traditions, and you do as well. And how you choose to celebrate always speaks volumes to your family and your children and your grandchildren. What you choose to obey will be passed down. If you choose to tithe, that will pass down to your children. If you choose to live generously, that will be passed down to your children. Your children will be the same way. Why? Because they heard and seen the stories of God's faithfulness, His principles at work. My children know that we're blessed because we tithe. And the Lord honors that faithfulness in our life. They just know that. It's not something that I have to beat into them. They've seen it at work that God takes care of. What better time of the year to accomplish this than at Christmas? Deuteronomy 6 gives us a recipe for your children and your grandchildren and how to pass your faith to the next generation. He says, obey these commands, these decrees, these laws. 613, during harvest, one of the laws was they had to leave a corner for the poor. It says, don't gather everything. Make sure there's an area that if somebody comes by and they don't have anything, they can eat. They said they had to love the stranger or the alien in their midst. As representative of Christ, it's our job to love everyone. It's the government's job to deal with the issue. They can deal with the issue. Our job is to love everyone we come in contact with and to help them. Another command in the Old Testament is don't eat the fruit of a new plant for three years and then the fourth year donate it to the priest. My interpretation, 25% of the tamales that you make this Christmas <laughs> should be given to the priest. Pastor Sean, would you agree with this? Amen. Thank you very much. 12.5% for you, 12.5% for you. Okay. We'll give a couple to Isaac. <laughs> Another command, believe it or not, don't eat a worm found in fruit. I didn't need the Bible to tell me that. <laughs> Did you? I mean, I didn't really need the Bible to say, hey, don't do this. But back then, I actually, true story, I have to digress a couple times here in this sermon. I bit into a Milky Way once. Yeah, I did. I looked down, and there was this little wiggly thing in the Milky Way. 
So eat Snickers, right? That's the moral of the story. Right? <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um, I obeyed the Bible and I didn't eat it. <laughs> um, it was a Jewish tradition that morning and night you recite the Shema. What is the Shema? This is what they recite to their kids. The next scripture is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And that was a prayer they would do every day. And it goes on, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. You know, if you're, there's one... One thing about my life that I think the Lord gave me grace for to do is this scripture right here. My, my children knew that the same guy that was here was the same guy they saw every day. And there's a disconnect with a lot of pastors' kids because it wasn't that way. Like the dad they saw up here was not the dad they saw at home. And so we live this sort of life. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Like this is, it was a fluid life. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So in other words, anything you do, make sure it connects back to the Lord. It's interesting, there's been debate about the first part of this scripture. I love the way that this version does it. Because the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's many people that teach that that's only there because of that there's only one God. And they came from a, a very a pluralistic God societies that they were in. And yeah, there is some theology to that, but this scripture in this context, when it's written in the, <clears throat> the Hebrew, they don't put the verb in. It says, the Lord God, the Lord one. So when the English translated, put the Lord is God, the Lord is one. And it really could be translated in this scripture because of what they're saying is, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Like he's the only God that is our God. He's the only one that's my God. And so then I will love him with all my heart, my soul, my strength. So every day they repeated this. Um, it's a commitment. There are many attractions to our affections. There are many interruptions to our time. There are many strings attached to our finances. But the Lord is the Lord alone and the God who surpasses all. So we love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. In obedience, without passion, is religion. And obedience with passion is relationship. And you know that in your marriage. Right? Obedience with passion. Let's be honest. Loving through these six categories is really loving at a patient, passion and obedience. So I'm attaching a very focused, attentive response to my love for God with all my heart, soul, and mind. When I love God with all my heart, I love Him with all my convictions. Whenever anything challenges that, my convictions, He is the Lord and He is the Lord alone. Anything that challenges my convictions loses. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And convictions leads to actions. When I love God with all my soul, I love Him with all my, my passion, my desires, my emotions. I will attach more passion to the Lord than anything else in my life. And this scripture, this scripture says that we teach our children in every situation and in every moment of life. 
why would we be more passionate about a sports team than we are the Lord? Why would we give more energy time to social media than we do the Word? Kids see you rocking out to your favorite 80s or 90s rock group, right? And then they don't see you sing at church. See, it sends a message to our family. Everything we do, everywhere we go, everywhere we talk. I recently stood next to a family in our church in the front row, and I, I looked across, and the father singing with all his heart, and the mother singing with all her heart, and then I saw this teen daughter singing with all her heart, and the young son singing. That's powerful. So dads, be careful, right, that when you sing and when you cheer for a team, you're singing and cheering as is loud for the Lord. Uh, Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He's the only God. And he's not just a Sunday God. He's not just a crisis God. Right? He's there in every moment. When I love God with all my strength, I love him physically. In the Greek, it's translated with all my power. and the Aramaic, it's translated with all my wealth. By giving, by serving, and by loving, it's physically and other ways in real tangible way. This scripture tells us, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. One version says, impress them on your children. I like the word impress. One way or another, you're going to make an impression on your children. I was with Papa Floyd once. We were in a town, and we went to have dinner with a group of pastors. A younger guy later on asked me if we could connect it together for like a lunch or a coffee after the first of the year we were there. And he says, I want to learn about church planning, but more importantly, I have two daughters. And I want to learn about how you were in the ministry and successfully transferred them to life and raised them to where they love the Lord and they're living life well. That's important to me, more than planning a church. And I get that question a lot, to be honest with you. But let's be honest. Judy makes me look good. Right? If she loves them, he must be okay, right? Uh, Sarah and Brittany make me look good. If his daughters love him, he can't be that bad, can he? And I wasn't a super religious dad. I didn't... Uh, pray and read hours of Bible to my children for hours and make them. But my love for Jesus and my obedience to biblical principles were ever-present in our life, in our attitudes, in our giving. Uh, we prayed for friends who were struggling. They saw me share my faith with strangers. We loved on the less fortunate in Mexico. We shared food with the homeless. And the same guy they saw here was the same guy they saw on Monday, putting faith into action on a regular basis. It's a 24-7 thing. And we can leverage life and events. So be, not, be careful not to forget the Lord. That's what he's saying. And when you sit down on Christmas morning, remember the Lord and then unwrap some presents. And remember the Lord and eat some spin rolls and, and quiche or whatever you have. And remember the Lord and play with the toys. Remember the Lord. Leverage traditions. Traditions are repetitions of things that are important to you. We went to, uh, we used to go right after Christmas on a Mexico mission when the kids were younger. Um, I've never made tamales our family, but Sarah got pulled in. We were with the, the pastor's family, and it happened to be that that day they were doing their family tamales. And so the family was there, and we're all doing ministry, and the lady needed somebody else, so she pulled Sarah in. So Sarah 
was with them all. That was their ministry that day, making tamales with this family. What we realized and what you saw there was it was more about family than it was about making tamales. There was something in that tradition that the children and the grandchildren got invited to, and it was a very special time. Food is usually the lure for families. I had a southern grandma. It was basically fried anything. Fried pies, fried chicken. That was the lure to get us there. And now we have two food cultures in our family. We have the United States and Japanese. Um, food is a lure, but family is the prize. Amen? In all of life, remember the Lord. When you drive to soccer practice in your car with your kids, remember the Lord. And when they play soccer on a game on Saturday with the kids and you're there, please remember the Lord. <laughs> Tell them about the fact that you live in one of the greatest countries in the history of mankind. And don't forget the Lord. And the results are amazing. I'll go back to the first part. It says, you, you must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live. If you obey all these decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of your answers promised you. The results are amazing. You and your children and the children after them may feel their, fear the Lord. Three generations. You know what my grandmother prayed for the most? Salvation for her family. I'm there now. It's important for me to see my children, the oldest ones, have already made a commitment to Jesus, but to see little Jesse come to faith. It says you also enjoy long life. That's a good result, too. When you obey and you remember the Lord, you love God with all that you have, you're going to live longer. Old Testament, many of the laws were about health, what they could eat, what they couldn't eat. They had no understanding or science to let them know what we know today. But God knew. His commandments were given to protect them from harm. And the same way, we may not understand all the Lord's commands, but He knows will keep us healthy and happy and living a long life. And it's my job to teach my children to protect them so that they will have a prosperous life. There was a time or two, I'm sure, when my daughter was younger, especially Sarah, she's here today, that I had to discipline her. And it may have seemed hard at the time. But I used the biblical approach. If you want to live longer, you're going to obey me right now. <laughs> and uh, I think I probably did say that. <laughs> really, really, this has to do with discipline and family and teaching our children to obey the Lord. But it has to be done in a way that teaches a lesson. Like it says... I think if we think about this, just not getting angry doesn't, getting angry doesn't do anything, right? Just getting angry. Taking it personal doesn't do anything. It's not personal. They're teenagers. So learn to be creative and disciplined, and don't back off. Learn to make it mean something. Like, if you keep going in this direction, and not, it won't be well for you. Like, it could hurt you. So because I'm a loving father, I'm going to step in. I was with a, a father last week, um, He's part of our congregation forever. He's, he's, he's moved, but he's in town. We had dinner. And he reminded me of a story. We were talking about girls, of course, and teenage girls. And when his 
yeah, I asked him permission to tell the story, and he said yes, but his daughter was, in her early teens, she just got a bit of an attitude, and she began to make fun of people, how they were dressed, that they didn't have the clothes that she had, and he said it got a little mean-spirited at times. So this is what he did. It was, really, it was really creative. I think it was fantastic. He walked in, took all the clothes out of her closet, put them somewhere else, and he took her to Savers and says, here's 30 bucks. Go pick out your outfits for this week. And he says there was crying, and she was upset, and she went and picked out her clothes for that week. Now she's several years older. She's got her first job. And he's telling me she sat down with them to get their budget together. He goes, how much do you think you can live on? She goes, I'm at home. You got food, all this stuff I got. I think I can just, I can do what I need to do with 10%. He goes, all right. So she gives 10%, because that's a value of their family. She lives on 10%, and she saves 80%. And he said to me, Lloyd, you know where she goes and buys all her clothes? Savers. She learned. I can get that at Savers. Like, I don't have to pay that kind of money for that. Right? But he stood his ground. He got creative in how he disciplined. And it changed her heart. And it's going to, listen, it's going to help her in the future. Right? We need to be creative in how we teach our children. Finally, look at the results that we have here in this last scripture. The Lord your God will so bring you to a land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. This is so amazing. With houses richly stocked with goods that you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. And when you've eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You know, that was one of the scriptures we got when we were looking at this property, because we could have went and bought something that we had to build up, and like that. And the Lord just said, that we're going to provide for you something you didn't build, that I built a long time ago that's now for the kingdom that you're going to do. And I had a guy, well, we were in this six months, and a man showed up, and he just came in, he had tears in his eyes. And I, and I asked him, he goes, well, I helped build this church, and now it's full of life and young, young families again. And he goes, it just touches my heart that the Lord has kept this for you guys. Um, the whole world right now is singing the same 15 songs <laughs> in 50,000 different ways, and many of them about our Savior. Um, they're singing them, and our children and our family can look to, the look to the manger and ask why. And people will actually come to church when they're invited that wouldn't normally come. And we get to tell stories about the Lord, and people actually listen this time of the year. And it's one of the joyous times of the year because of God's gift to us, but because the whole world is rejoicing with that. So when your son asks you, Dad, why do we go to church on Christmas Eve? You can tell him what the Lord means to you and the day you came to faith. Mom, why do we give gifts on Christmas morning? You can tell her that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you don't have a spiritual tradition, please start one. Have a blast, but make sure Jesus is included somehow in everything you do. Help a family in need. Leverage a moment in life. And wherever you go, make sure that the Lord is involved in this 24-7. And if you do that, you will live a prosperous life. Your children and your grandchildren will follow the Lord. And it will go well with you living a long life. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. Can we stand and let's pray and thank the Lord for the season?
Jesus, thank you so much that you came to earth. Um, you didn't have to, but we needed a Savior. And you said yes. And uh, you thanked for this opportunity to give up your life for us. You were grateful. So we're grateful today. And so this season when the whole world is singing the songs about you, may we leverage that in our lives, in our children's lives. Let us use the traditions that we have to teach the reality of who you are. Give us insight. For the parents here, Lord, give them creativity in how they navigate their children through life so that they'll be good parents and teach them how to live for the Lord in this land that we live. And may we never forget you, Lord, when we come into blessings and prosperity. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.